If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me this morning to Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter number 5. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning on the subject of evangelism. Um, We heard that song, Soul on Fire, and then we heard the song about that day when we're called home and I was thinking about that. My mind went to that song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. Is there anybody here this morning that if the roll and when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there? Amen. I hope the church is full of them this morning. But I want to tell you what, the world has many, many people that if the roll is called up yonder, their name will be nowhere to be found. And God has a plan for that. What is that plan? That plan is me. And that plan is you. And He's left us here until that day when He returns and calls us home so that when that day comes, many, many will be there. And their role is called. Their name will be on it. I'm going to read you just a couple of verses out of Acts chapter number 5 and then we're going to skip around and look some different places this morning as we talk about evangelism. Uh, I'll begin at verse number 12. Uh, Well, let's start at verse number 11. Acts chapter number 5, verse number 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join him, uh, join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, as we think about that role being called up yonder, Father, I pray that you'd cause us this morning to both rejoice as we think about our names being on it, but Father, also to soberly and somberly think of that, those names that may not. And God, may you make this strategy that you come up with. It's your plan, not ours, of evangelism. Lord, burn in our hearts till our souls are on fire. And then God, let it come out into this world that desperately, desperately needs to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. October the 21st uh, through the 24th, We're going to be having a conference. Everybody in here has already heard about it. Called Every Believer a Witness. Um, Let me just stop and say right there, if you're not a witness, then you need to get saved this morning. The altar's open. God became flesh, lived in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for 33 and a half years. He went to a cross and there he died on that cross. Why did he die on that cross? Well, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, God the Father poured out his wrath upon sin for the entire world, for all of time, all of eternity, upon his son. 
And He took that punishment, my punishment, your punishment, upon Himself on that cross. Well, you know the story. They took Him down from the cross. They placed Him in a tomb. Um, the third day, they went looking for Him. He wasn't there. Come to find out, He'd got up. Jesus had been resurrected. And because of that, He says, If anyone will follow Me, if anyone will believe in Me, if anyone will place their faith and their trust in Me, when their time comes, they'll get up from the grave too. You see, I've already conquered that thing. I've got power over the grave. Now we ask ourselves, what do we mean when we say believe? Um, you know, the Bible's very clear on that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. But really, what does that word believe? One thing that humans have been masters at over the eons of time since God has placed us here uh, is the ability to adapt uh, to our environment. And in that adaptation, one of the things we've learned as humans, as a matter of fact, it started way back there in the garden when Adam sinned, you know, and God come and Adam and Eve hid from him and, and God said, hey, Adam, why are you hiding? And Adam said, well, it's this crazy woman you gave me. She made me eat of some fruit that I wasn't supposed to. And by the way, God, it's your fault too because you gave her to me. You see... I say that to say this. Humans have an amazing ability to deceive ourselves. Uh, I mean, you can take some woman and put them in a dungeon, a little five-by-five five square room uh, that, that so many people have been imprisoned in over time, and through their mind and the imagination, next thing you know, that person can be sitting on a beach down in Key Largo. Mm, humans have that. So then we ask the question, what do we mean when we really say believe? Well, I cannot trust what my mind tells me. I cannot trust what my heart tells me. But in my mind and in my heart, there's all of these things going on. The Bible says that it's wicked and I can't know it and you can't know it. Only God knows the hearts of men. So the only thing that I can trust is what's played out in my actions as I live my day-to-day -day life. You see, it's easy for me to tell you, well, I'm a Christian. But if I just go on living my life like nothing's happened, nothing's changed, then regardless of what I tell you, it's not the truth. And something needs to take place. So then, having said that, having talked about this every believer of witness, we ask ourselves, am I a witness? You see, Jesus said something like this before he uh, was carried away back to heaven after the resurrection. You will be my witnesses. He didn't say you may or it might happen or that if you choose to do it. He said you will be my witnesses. Now who was he talking about? Well he was talking about those that follow him. Those that have been born again. Those whose lives had been changed. Those that were followers of Christ. Those that truly believed in him would be his Witnesses. So we ask ourselves this morning, am I a witness? I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say it again. It's a strategy. Um, I'm not too concerned about growth. Y'all know that. God grows the church, not us. Uh, I am concerned about souls, though. And you stop and think about this this morning. Here's a church growth strategy. 
Zion Baptist Church, we're going to double in size by this time next year. So what's today? Uh, September the 16th. Can't keep up the date. I know it's Sunday. <laughs> you probably didn't know what day it was either, did you? I bet you did. Uh, so by September the 16th, 2019, we're going to have doubled in size. What's our strategy? Well, simple as this. Ed, you win one person before this day next year and begin to disciple that person, make a friend out of that person, bring that person to church, sit with that person in church, take that person out to eat, go to the ball game with him or something sometime, get to know their family and, uh, you know, just be there for them and, and go do Bible studies in their home and, uh, you know, just disciple them. That's what the Bible says, that we're to make disciples. Ed, you do that. One, that's, that's it. No, no more. One. Ken, by this time next year, same thing. One, 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 one. And do you know by this time next year, we'd have to be wondering we're going to knock some walls down and build a new place or go to two services or uh, maybe hire another preacher because I'm getting so wore out preaching to all them people. If each of us would just win one person to the Lord Jesus Christ by this time next year. That's the best. Listen, these people write books on church growth strategy. But God's got a church growth strategy and that's it. He said it's to be my, you're to be my witnesses. And you're to make disciples. Simple as that. Well, in this passage of Scripture we read this morning, they were committed uh, to evangelism. It's our mission. Uh, Acts 4.29, they were committed to uh, reach the world. They were going to speak. Acts 4.32, and the multitudes of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. So they had a strategy. It was to come together in one accord. That they were going to share and, and love each other and be good to each other. And in that they were going to reach the world for Christ. Now I want to stop right there and say something. This wasn't, regardless of what modern college and university professors tell us, socialism. Socialism is when a power greater than yourself forces you to give something to somebody. This was giving out of a heart of charity and love. They chose to do it. So it wasn't socialism. It was simply being good citizens in, of the kingdom of God. So real evangelism is based on individual communication, collective unity as a testimony. They had that. So evangelism, reaching their community, reaching those around them was a natural outpouring of that. And just at that point, Satan hit. Tragedy hit. We see when we open up to chapter number 5, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. And they lied to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were trying to gain prestige and honor and tried to be spiritual above others. And what they did displeased God and it ultimately brought about their death. Well, God did the, the discipline and they needed to learn a lesson. The church needed to learn a lesson, so uh, he done away with them. And the church was back on track and it began to grow. Uh, I say all that to say this. If we're not witnesses, then we're not Christians. 
Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. What got off a quiet when I said that? <laughs> Darts and daggers. <laughs> so this morning I want to look at three features that are key to effective evangelism. Church, I believe we need to hear these as we prepare for this every believer witness, but not just hear them, do something about it. Because it's the doing that proves what we really believe, regardless of what we say. I want to stop right there, though, and say this. The doing don't save you, all right? We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. But our works sure do prove where our faith is and what we really do believe. And as a matter of fact, it's the only predictable indicator of what we really believe. Uh, three keys, features that are key to effective evangelism. Number one, the first key is the potential of purity. Now, I want to start right there in verse number five and, and just read you that story that I just talked about. But a certain man named Ananias, now remember, we're talking about the potential of purity. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, so she knew, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they sold a piece of property and brought the money to Peter and indicated to Peter that that's what they had got for the piece of property. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So what Peter had told him was, look, you didn't have to do this. You could have just kept it. It belonged to you. Uh, but you tried to do something that was dishonest by selling it and saying you were giving it all when you really weren't giving it all. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then, she, uh, then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead. And carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. The first key is the potential of purity. Uh, God moved right in and he removed this impure thing um, that was going on in the church. And, and the principle we can learn from that this morning is God's not going to work through an impure vessel. God works through pure vessels. Now, that doesn't mean perfect vessels. That doesn't mean vessels that have never did anything wrong. But what it does mean is vessels that with pure motives have come before God, received His forgiveness, and said, God, I'm going to do it your way. Turn with me in the Bible to Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 11. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 11. One of the simplest verses in the Bible that we so often don't even listen to. 
Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 11. The Bible says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with. Now what does that mean? That means making alliance with. That means being on the same team with. That means uh, uh, supporting both verbally or monetarily or with our time, our talents, the works of darkness. Have nothing to do with them, but rather reprove it. Point them out. Show them to the world. Call unfruitful works of darkness for what they are and don't have any part in it. Uh, I was thinking, you know, just... The last couple of weeks, you know, we've had a Supreme Court justice, and of course that's on the news a lot. You know, they all, all want to talk about Roe v. Wade, right? That's all anybody wants to talk about. 1973, when the Supreme Court ruled that little babies, innocent little babies in their mother's womb could be just murdered and have their little lives stripped from them right from the start in such a torturous way. And I got to thinking, you know, that's 73, 83, 93, 03, 13, 45 years that that's been going on in our nation. You ask yourself, why? Well, it's, it's, it's not because of the Supreme Court or what president's been elected. It's because people are willing to have fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. And we don't like to admit that as people. I mean, our part in it may be so minuscule. Oh, I just vote for this person who, who believes in taking little babies. And, you know, I agree with them over here on this side. So, you know, so my part in that, I mean, it's so, so tiny. But when we do that, we're aligning ourselves, having fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Now, that's just one example. We look in our lives and think all of these uh, areas, but uh, what I'm talking about here is the potential uh, for purity. The Holy Spirit showed Ananias and Sapphira an area in their life where they were not doing it God's way. They had lied to the Holy Spirit. They hadn't give all that they could have given. So they come before uh, Peter and before the apostles and they said, I'm going to give it all to you. Right here it is. And it turned out they wasn't telling the truth. Well, now, obviously, there's very few people in here this morning that sold a piece of property and bought that piece of property and took the money and brought it in. But uh, I believe the principle that would apply here this morning, and good gracious, I probably won't get past point one this morning, is, is this. I think in the Bible, when, when Jesus talks about talents that he gives us, right? I, 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 that's a resource, a resource that God gives to the church, the talents of the people and the time of the people and the motivations of the people and, and all of that. So it could be and it could equate to this money that Ananias and Sapphira brought before Peter and said, here's all I've got. Boy, when we look at it like that, How many of us are holding back some? Wow. When you think about the Holy Spirit stepped in 
Now, what we see today is God usually leaves that up to the church. I understand he was establishing the church. and Those signs and wonders and miracles that were being done, it was for the purpose of establishing the church. But those principles do not change. And we ask ourselves, we're living in a world where churches this morning are emptying and emptying and emptying. Where Western civilization is literally being overrun by Muslim hordes of conquerors. Where you look at church report cards and all over America and it says baptized zero, buried ten. Baptized the next year, zero, buried four. And oh God, help us to be faithful to the end. With that kind of faithfulness, the end's coming. And why? It's because the people of God ain't really all in. And they're holding back on the talents, the time, the resources. One person... One person over the next year, if we'd win one person to the Lord, everyone, the church would explode. So what happens? God purifies the church. You see, the potential of purity is that God can use a pure vessel. Now why did He allow us to come this morning? Many chose not to. Thank you that you did. I don't know what's going on in your life. You don't know what's going on in my life. But one thing I do know, my life's not exactly all it could be. It could be better. <laughs> and so could yours. You say, well, I can't change everything. Well, pick one. We've all got multiple things wrong with us. And say, Lord, I'm going to do this better that it might come closer to giving you my all and all I am and all I ever hope to be. So the Holy Spirit moves in, removes that impurity amongst the people of God. And right there in verse number 11, after that impurity has been removed, the Bible says, in great fear came upon all the church and as many, uh, upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they all were with uh, they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. You see, when the impurity of holding back was removed, God could work. Men, women, boys, and girls could be saved. Well, obviously, I'm not going to get to point two. You'd probably say, Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I don't know why God changed that and kind of changed the strategy, but boy, I'm thankful He did. See, now what happens is the Holy Spirit got you out of bed this morning. Instead of striking us down, and give you the strength to put on your clothes and get in your car and drive in the rain and come up here to Zion Baptist Church and gather together in this beautiful building with this 
wonderful people that just love and, and are good to each other with a bunch of friends gathered together. And he give you an altar. And he said, I've done all of this to give you an opportunity to get it right yourself instead of me having to do it for you. Now, I understand I say that in the context of he's already done it for us. Jesus died and that was for uh, uh, the propitiation for sin but we've got a part in that and you see that's the part he gives us I mean you read this story the Holy Spirit just stepped in and there was no chance for repentance no chance for nothing it was over boy ain't you thankful God don't work that way now he brought us here today so that we can get it right now so the question is that we ask and I'll close uh, we'll get to the other three keys next week Am I giving it all? And remember, our actions are much more, a much better indicator of the truth of that question or the answer to that question than what comes out of our mouth or even what goes on in our mind. So to answer that question, we've got to look at our actions, not what we think or what we say. So as we do that, I'm going to be honest with you. I can look and think of <laughs> so, many, so many ways it's scary how I've not given it my all. Uh, so I'm going to get down on the altar myself and say, God, help me do it better. Why? Because every believer should be a witness. And we can witness only about those things that we've experienced. I want to experience God this morning and then be a witness to what He's doing. You see, I can say God will forgive you. Why? Because I've been forgiven. I can say to that person that's weak, God will strengthen you. Why? I've been strengthened. I can say to that person literally whose life is a wreck and it's of their own making. I can say to them, God will help you put that thing back together. Why? Because my life was a wreck and it was my own making. And God helped me put that thing back together. And you see, he wants us to tell that everywhere we everything we've got. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you that Lord, we're living in a time that you give us an opportunity to get it right. I cannot indict you for the way you treated Ananias and Sapphira. They got exactly what we or what they deserved. God, I'm thankful this morning we don't get what we deserve. So God, help us this morning that as we examine ourselves and look, that Father, we'd just say, help me go all in. Not hold anything back. And be a witness for you. That's your strategy. That's your plan. And God, I thank you you let us be a part in it. 
Help us, Father, to want to do it to the best of our ability in your power and for your glory. In Jesus' name.